Welcome to Arpanini. This is Sarah Tova Best. Let's talk about um, a consciousness that God is running the world. Because we're in the Torah portion of Akhari Kedoshim. And to say it in, in really two minutes or less, that um, Aaron, the high priest, his two sons left the world. And the Parsha is about that, about 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 their leaving the world, and about Kedoshim, about being, being holy. So let's see what that tells us about our own lives, about, about being, obviously, what we're here to do, certainly in this generation, is be here in this world and be holy in this world. In fact, an interesting thing um, from in this Sikha, Lubavitcher Rebbe is saying that if a, a priest, a Kohen, uh, he has, he's told to not, to not drink a certain amount of wine on the day that Mashiach comes. Therefore, therefore, really, he's always there to be vigilant. Is Mashiach coming today? Is, is, are we entering Messianic times today? And so, we want to understand, since we've come to that moment in history, what is it all about? This Geula. Geula means redemption. This Geula means entering the time of Messianic times. This is, that's the word, Geula. Redemption where we enter Messianic times. And since everything, let's, let's see what it's all about because everything, the, the essence of something is in the name. So we want to understand what this name Geula is about. Geula, again, being the Hebrew word for redemption, Messianic redemption. Eternal, ultimate, permanent messianic redemption. When it comes to the Passover Seder, there are, when we're reading the Haggadah, there are actually five words that God uses to tell us about how he took the Jewish people out of slavery, out of Egypt. And the Hebrew words are meaning I took you out, I saved you, I redeemed you, I took you to me, I brought you to the promised land. And each of these words is another way of expressing, I redeemed you. But one of them has been chosen, vidgoalti, that if you, if it's turned into a, that's a, that's a verb, but if it's turned into a noun, then the noun that comes from vidgoalti, I redeemed you, is geula. Vidgoalti, and the noun is geula. Redemption is geula. Well, it looks over here like there are five different ways of expressing geula, redemption. And yet one of them has been chosen by God, and it's in our holy Torah, as the name of redemption forever. So what do we understand from the way it's spelled? Well, there's a similar word, and that word is called gola, gola, which is, Exile, which is everything other than redemption. All the years of struggle and suffering and horrific, all the stuff. All the years of exile, all the generations of exile that we're still in has the name Gola, Gaila. Very similar to the word Geula. It's a very strange thing. You would think that if God is going to choose a word from all of these five, you would think that he would choose a word that isn't reminiscent of all the bad stuff. 
You know, once you're finally in the final redemption and life is good, who wants to be reminded of all the junk, that, you know, all the horrificness, all the horrible, unspeakable suffering that happened in Gola, in Gaila? Let's not be reminded of it. Let's take a word that just doesn't even give us bad memories. And yet the word that's specifically chosen is the word that's similar, Geula is so similar to Gaila. The only difference is there's an Aleph, the letter Aleph, the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Hebrew Aleph base. There's an Aleph, which Aleph stands for, sorry, there's an Aleph, you add an Aleph to the word Gaila, Gola, and you have the word Geula. So the difference between exile and redemption is one Aleph, one letter Aleph. So what we're being told is when you are in Gola, in Gaila, when you are in exile, in the midst of the struggle and the darkness and the suffering, add the Aleph, and you have now you're in redemption. So what is the Aleph? So the Aleph stands for Alufa Shel Olam, Master of the World, God, Master of the World. Okay, so um, sorry, we we're getting back to our topic. That um, Aleph stands for Alufa Shel Olam, Master of the World. So. And it's really strange, again, that you, that we would have the same word, Gaila and Geula, which means two diametric opposites. One is exile, suffering, darkness, all the ugly stuff about, about what we've gone through all through history. And the other one, Geula, is all the beauty of eternal, messianic, peace, love, health, beauty, possibilities, expansiveness, consciousness of God, visibility of God, all of that. These are two diametric opposites. And they're one letter away. And somehow what we're being told is when we add the Aleph of the master of the world, Alufasal Island, to this Gaila, we start to usher in the Gaula. So there's one other point we want to know, which is that when we that when we look at the two, when we will come to Geula, redemption, messianic times, nothing will be lost in Gaulus. We won't leave anything behind. Even though everything will be redeemed, even the things that we think, well, that doesn't really fit. Everything will be redeemed and taken with us. Everything we built up, our, our, our honor, our connections, our money, our... our our furniture, our homes, our, our, our career, our expertise, our skills, it won't be left behind. We will take us with us. Take it with us. All positive things from Gullis will be, will go with us. What will be left behind? The Gullis view, the exile view of everything will be left behind. And our slavery to the laws of nature will be left behind. Will the laws of nature be left behind? No. But our enslavement to them, the feeling like that we've all been taught, you can't fight City Hall. What does that mean you can't fight City Hall? Meaning what you want 
doesn't necessarily exist. And I always give the example, you know, living in New York, the government decided they were going to put the um uh they're going to put bike uh bike racks these where you can rent a bike all throughout the neighborhood. And there are so few parking spots as it is, and now they took up many many the government took up the city took up many many different um many many parking spots with these with these bike things and nobody in this neighborhood, neighborhood really uses those bikes. You don't even see any bikes. They put one bike there. So people are frustrated because what will we do for parking spots? So according to the exile mentality, now it's really now it's really hard to find a parking spot. According to that's the Gaila reality mentality and the Gaula mentality is that so to speak, there's an angel, a mala, there's an angel with parking spots, so to speak, maybe, you know, kind of a joke. And when we need a parking spot, we say, Hashem, please create a parking spot for me. So so from that perspective, we could say that maybe it doesn't really make a difference if they used up all the parking spots with bike racks. When it's time for us to have a parking spot, Hashem will create one for us. That's a different view of reality. But taking the same thing, there's no parking spot. And adding a consciousness that if we could say that that's true, that if I need a parking spot, Hashem will create a parking spot for me where it didn't exist before. These are two different ways of looking at reality. So the enslavement to the, the laws of nature, which we're going to be rid of, is feeling like if there's no parking spot, I, you know, what am I going to do? Parking spots don't, don't just come into being out of nothingness. That feeling, that's our enslavement to the laws of nature. I drove around the block. I didn't see anything. I will not find anything. I'm stuck. That's our being used to the laws of nature. This is the way nature works. You can't fight city hall. That's our enslavement to the laws of nature. We will upgrade to feeling like we don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to worry about anything because when I need a parking spot, Hashem will find us a parking spot. The famous story of, of, of the great sage Reb Zusha that he would sit down to eat a meal and he would say, God in heaven, Zusha is hungry. Zusha is hungry. And he would watch the food come onto the table. And the people who worked for him were upset. They said, we cook the food and put it on the table. What, are we playing games here? And there's a whole story about him saying, I'll show you that when I need food, I say, God in heaven, I need food. And that's how it comes into being. So that's adding the Aleph of Alufa Shalayim, of, of, of the master of the world, into Gullus, into the exile, into the darkness. Zisha is hungry. He needs to eat. He's in a little bit of a darkness. And he adds Hashem. He adds master of the universe to the equation, and boom. He says, okay, you'll see, food will come to me. Sometimes it comes, and sometimes it takes some, sometimes it's not so automatic. So that feeling that, you know, if if the if there's no, no food in the house, and there's nothing cooking on the stove, and there's nothing in the refrigerator, I will not be able to eat, and I'm not leaving the house. 
I will not be able to eat. That's called enslavement to the laws of nature. The laws of nature say there's no food there, there's no food there. You're not leaving the house. You aren't going to have food. Doctor did. So that enslavement to the laws of nature will be gone. All the positive parts of the, of the laws of nature, which there will still be laws of nature, but they'll be under our control, under a godly control. If we have a godly consciousness, then they'll be more under our control. If we are fully cognizant that God is taking care of everything. So the only thing that will be left behind is not the, even the laws of nature, not the food, not the refrigerator, not the stove, none of, none of that. But rather, it's gullous, it's exile uh, appearance, that which the exile appearance of everything is, life's out to get me. That is the feeling in exile. Life's out to get me. And the Rambam Maimonides says, don't think, don't put into your heart that in Yemaisa Mashiach, the world will come to an end, that there will be something brand new. The island The world will work, will go in its regular way. And Chacham and the sages say, the only difference between this world, this world now, and the world of Mashiach, Messianic time, is that, that the Jewish people will no longer be under the jurisdiction of the nations of the world. We'll be free. We won't be at the whim of all the nations of the world that any time they felt like we lived, you know, the Jewish people lived in a place for two, three hundred years and, and help that place be productive and, and, and prosperous and and then some king would get in his head that he wants to exile everybody and out the door and there we were, wandering again. That will come to an end. So what is what is Gaula, the Gaila with Aleph in it? It's the revelation of the truth and the inner quality of everything in God. It is the re- it's revealing the truth of all darkness. But the, at the core of all darkness is light. And this, and Aleph, the Aleph of the master of the world, reveals also the truth in every single thing that was done in Gullus and is being done in Gullus. God is being, through this, adding the Aleph to Gaila means God is revealed in everything in the world. His glory is revealed. As it says in Ethics of Our Fathers, whatever Hashem created in the world, He created for nothing other than His covet, than His honor. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a place. So, And now we're going to go into a powerful piece of information, a powerful point. It says in Ethics of the Fathers, look at three things and you won't come to a sin. You won't, it will bring, you will not have to sin. If you keep yourself focused on these three things, then it will, you will not bring, you will not come to sin. You will be doing things right. And then the Mishnah, Describe the three things, you know, know where you came from, know where you're going to, etc. But the question that's asked is, and the question that's asked here is, 
we can count. In the Mishnah, every word is exact. There are not extraneous words. Over here, there's one extraneous word. The extraneous word is three. Because we can count. When it would say, the Mishnah could say, look at these things and you won't come to sin. We don't have to be told that it's three. We see it's three. It's not a hundred. Why aren't we told, look at these things and you won't, and if you do these things, if you focus on these things, you won't come to sin. Why the word three? And the word three is crucial here. Because we can think that there are two elements in life. There's myself and God, or there's God and myself. And that's all I need to be holy. All I need, remember we said the parshas, Akhrei and Kedoshim. Kedoshim means being holy. We think that in order to, we would think, we could think, that in order to be holy, I need God and myself, those two elements. That's all I need, two elements. Here the Mishnah is saying there are three elements. What is the third element? I mean, what do you need besides God and yourself to be holy? And here's the surprising answer. The third element is the world. We need a world in which we are living laboratory, in which we bring holiness. It's a crucial part. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a triangle. You know, by the way, if you want to sit on a stool, if you need to be stable and grounded, you cannot sit on a stool with two legs. It needs at least three. Four is better, but at least three. And then you can sit and be grounded and stable and safe and all of that. To bring God down, that everything should be, that his, that, that holiness should be stable and strong and, and grounded, all of that, you need three elements. You need God, yourself, who is serving God, and you need a world in which you are doing all of that. Because ultimately God wants that all of holiness should be brought down and he should have a dwelling place down here in the lowest world. Through all the mitzvahs that we do. For the Jewish people it's 613. For the nations of the world it's seven. And those seven are crucial. Those seven are the foundational mitzvahs for creating a just world. And it's the entire, so being, bringing it all into this world is the entire purpose, and making this world a place for God is the entire purpose of everything. So, and the soul comes down from a very high place to a very, down here in this very low world where we have to deal with a lot of stuff. More than just dealing with parking spots through the bike racks. A lot of stuff. And our job is, to purify the body that our soul has been sent into, and to purify that portion of the world that is given to us. Where is that portion of the world? As we walk through the, as we go through life, it's, it's a fluid portion. It's not a fixed, you know, I live in Maryland in this neighborhood, and, I, and that's my portion. Everybody's always moving around, going here, going there. So his portion in the world is a, is a fluid kind of a portion. Only God knows where that portion of the world is. It's not a fixed physical space. It's a fluid physical space. It's changing every minute. Oh, so now I'm walking down the block. So my portion of the world is at that corner. And now I'm 
you know, and now I'm going there. Now I'm going to this neighborhood. And now my portion is over there. And now that we've come to a point in history where everybody has the ability to have a global influence through through all the technology, through the Zoom calls and the phone calls and, the, you know, I don't have to go through all of that. But, but we all have an ability to speak globally now. So our portion of the world has expanded. Every single person now, his portion of the world includes large chunks of the world. In fact, it seems to be global. It seems that, you know, we went for all of history, your portion of the world was pretty small. You lived in this village and then maybe you, had, you traveled to that village once in a while. But now everybody's portion of the world seems to be the entire world plus. Plus more than the entire world. So, so now we can understand what the mission is saying. Look at three things and you won't come to do a sin. Meaning, if you want to, if you want to live a life in which you're doing things right, it's called Enetabali Deaver, you won't come to sin. It's by having our eyes focused on the goal. What is number three? Look at three things and you won't come to do a sin. What is this thing that I should look at? I'm supposed to be looking at number three, this third element, this triangle of three. What am I supposed to look at? Keep my eyes. If I'm, I'm always walking on a tightrope. And it's not only that we could be in awe of tightrope walkers. We are tightrope walkers. Life today is very complicated. We, always, we seem to be always walking in a tightrope. So you need to keep your eye on the goal to be safe. So what's the goal? Number three. What is number three? Bringing, remember, one, two, three. Me bringing God down here into this world and making this world into a place where he feels comfortable forever. Which ultimately then we build the third holy temple in Jerusalem and all holiness emanates from there. And the whole world becomes a dwelling place for God. That's the number three. The physical world becomes a dwelling place for God, number one, through me, number two, in the world, number three. And if I can keep my eye on that goal, then it gives me the ability to bypass all the mess-ups that we're used to doing. Because Geula, when we'll have this third holy temple, it lifts up everything that it touches. So, and that is the, that is the entire point. So, tell you a little story that's cited here. First, just one, one more point. The idea of, of Kedoshim, being holy. Let's just speak for a second about Aaron, the holy priest. It says, the Zaisiyaba Aaron al-Kaidish. Aaron Akohan, the holy priest, the high priest, Aaron, the original one, the first, was able to go into the Holy of Holies. And, and there were many conditions for the Kohen Gadol to be able to go and survive. When the Kohen Gadol would go into the 
Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur on the holiest day of the year, his thoughts had to really be perfect. You know, when we think about making this world into a Holy of Holies, it seems kind of scary. My thoughts are not so perfect. But it actually says that any time the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, wanted to go in, he could go, meaning the true place of the high priest is in the Holy of Holies, in the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, that will be in Jerusalem. And that's the way it's going to be in Mashiach times, in Messianic times, bringing that level of holiness down into the world. So, there's a story in the prophets, in the Vim, that there was a very difficult time in Jewish history. And there was a, and um, Yoshava was a, a prophet, and he saw that there was one, one remaining member of the, of the lineage of David, of, of King David. Messiah, Mashiach, comes from the lineage, lineage of King David, by definition. It came to a point that there was so much unspeakable oppression against the Jewish people, they had been massacred by some pretty evil evil people. And many, the holiest people had been massacred. And there was only one person left from this lineage. And it was a child. The child's name was Yoash. He needed to be saved so that the lineage would continue, so that we could eventually enter Messianic times with Mashiach, Messiah, from the, from the lineage of David and Alice, of David. But he was a child. So they had to keep him somewhere safe until he was old enough to become the king. So they hid him in a room above the Holy of Holies. Now, the Holy of Holies is a place where no one was allowed to go. If anyone went in there other than the high priest, they would die immediately because it was so holy. And so what if somebody had to fix the wall? There was a, whole, there was a problem, you know, something with, with the, whatever the walls were made of. Somebody had to fix one of the walls in the Holy of Holies. Well, anybody who would go in to fix it would die. Well, that's no good. So they would have a certain kind of um, elevator ab- that was above the Holy of Holies, and it stayed up there permanently. And when somebody had to go into the Holy of Holies to fix it, this elevator was, I think, three-sided. So whoever had to fix the wall would be would be lowered down in this kind of elevator shaft, and all he, he would not really essentially be in the Holy of Holies. He would be in this elevator. And only one little bit of the wall that he had to fix was accessible to him. So he wasn't really in the Holy of Holies. It was in his elevator. He would fix what he had to fix. He would go up again, and that elevator, so to speak, would be above the Holy of Holies and stay there. That's where they hid this child. His name was Yoash. That's where they hid him. For six years. Which means on some level... And by the way, what was he doing there? He was, six years, he was eating, drinking, sleeping. What do you do? They hid him there for six years, eating, drinking, sleeping, doing all the regular things that somebody does when they're living. Which means that on some level, he was right above the Holy of Holies. 
So, and, and, and he was there for a very negative reason because his life was in danger. And then eventually he grew up and they, and he was crowned as king. And then everything, you know, we, we now had a king. We just had that time where there was a gap in the lineage of, of King David. So on some level, what we're understanding is, and that's what it says here, in truth, his real place, he was living above the Holy of Holies. He was somebody who actually lived right there in the place of the Holy of Holies, eating, drinking, doing all the regular things. Which means that we have the ability to do that too. To be eating, drinking, sleeping, all of that in a, in a holy place, in a holy of holy place. That's our true place. It won't really come to fruition until messianic times, but that's where we're headed. As it says, that's where we're headed. Not just to be spiritual beings. It says the Ramban, and then the Rambam actually brings out that in messianic times there will be a physical world, and specifically, and we will be living a holy life in a physical world, in physical bodies. And it actually says in Parshas Kedoshim, Kedoshim to you, Kedosh Ani. God says, be, you be holy, because I am holy. If you're part of me or connected to me, if I am holy, you can be holy. Be like me. And um, we're going to bring out one, one more little part. That there was a brother, Baba Tereba, has a brother named Yisrael Aryeh His um, His day of passing was Yud Gimel Iyar, which is in a few days, 13th day of the month of Iyar. What is Yisrael Aryeh Leib? He, he was a mathematician. I think, yeah, he was a mathematician. What does that name stand for? Yisrael is, first of all, there's 600, Yisrael is, is um, there are 600 is being Yeshishim Rebu Oisis Lutera. There are 600,000 letters in the Holy Torah. We're talking about a situation of holiness, the Holy Torah. Aryeh is like a lion. Fight like a lion to bring the holiness of Torah into the world. And Laid is also Aryeh and, and Laid both mean lion. One is in Hebrew and one is in Yiddish. Bring fight like a lion, both spiritually and physically, to bring godliness into this world, to make this world a place where God can be and wants to be. And that means Gula. So we'll sum up with this. There are people in this generation who say, hmm, Messianic times, Mashiach is coming kind of scared what's going to be with all my business, all my contacts, all of everything I've done, everything that I've accomplished. What's going to be with all of that? And the answer is that the Lubavitcher Rebbe says is, don't be afraid. Geula doesn't mean that everything that you did goes away. All the good things that you did goes, goes away. Geula doesn't mean that the way of the world evaporates. Because all of the good things that you did 
in Gullus remain. In fact, they're all lifted up to a higher, if you want to call it frequency, to a Gula reality, when the truth of everything that you accomplished is finally revealed, finally comes out. That you accomplished all of this in order to make this physical world a holy place where God can be. And therefore, we begin with our portion in the world by adding in mitzvahs, by giving charity, tzedakah. Um, and we begin in our own domain to do what's called koma know God in everything that you do. And especially spreading the wellsprings of our Holy Torah all over the entire world and influencing and bringing the consciousness that there's an Aleph, there's a Lufus there's a God who runs the world. Bringing that consciousness, adding the Aleph to Geula, our job today is to, is one and only thing. Oh, so hi, what's your name? My name is Jennifer. Great, what do you do, Jennifer? I add the Aleph to Gola, to Gaila. That's it. There isn't anything else to do anymore. That's all I do. I add the Aleph to Gaila. Okay. What does it mean you add the Aleph to Gaila? In a place where we have a darkness in the world, I add the consciousness and the recognition that God is there. I add him into the equation of, into that darkness. And what becomes revealed is that the darkness has a deeper layer, which is really light. The light of Mashiach, Messianic light, the light of God. And my job is to add that consciousness and bring the entire world to add that consciousness, to put the Aleph in the darkness in Gaila and create Geula, which then creates Geula, which then creates redemption. To put the consciousness that Alufa Shalailam, the master of the world, is here in every single thing. And, and as we said, the way to do it most effectively, that God is, the tool that God is giving us in this generation to make that doable for us is look at three things and you won't come to do a sin. You won't come to fall. You won't fail. Look at three things. Have the consciousness that it's all about me, number two, bringing God, number one, down into this world, number three. And that combination of three, of, of bringing all of that all, in, all into focus, me spending my life doing this and having it all in focus gives me a protection against all of the vicissitudes of failing that I might be able to fail in. It gives me a certain protection against that because this is the job that God wants from us and he's here to make it possible for us to do it in a straight way, in a clear way, in a way that I don't have to be involved in my own failings all the time, but I can be involved in working for a higher purpose, working for God to make this world into a dwelling place for him. So let's bless each other that we should jump into that with full force, spread the light of messianic light and spread all of this to every single person in the world and all the nations of the world.
and therefore find ourselves standing very, very soon in the Holy Temple in Jerusalem, in the Beis HaMezish, the third Beis HaMezish, dancing, being led in the Geula, the true and complete Geula, and it should be immediately now.